All right, let's start this podcast off with a question. What in the world is the season premiere for SmackDown? Okay, I want to start with the negative. That way I don't bleed it in to what was a fantastic episode of Friday Night SmackDown. But please, for the life of me, tell me, what is the season premiere? How do we know when the new season starts? How did we know that the season was ending? What in the world? What does the season premiere mean? I mean, to be honest with you, it seems that when they do a season premiere, it basically kind of reflects what a Raw after WrestleMania would be. And that's kind of the feel you got from this show. Introduction of new characters, uh, new storylines starting or progressing, uh, big names on the show, etc., etc. We're going to get into all of it. But I had to ask that question, guys, because it just doesn't make sense to me. What is a season premiere? How do we determine when a season premiere is in WWE? This is a year-round product, okay? I just want to know, am I the only one who ever asked that question? We'll see. It's the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. I already had this on, so I'm going to turn it off to turn it back on and say we are officially on air. Welcome one, welcome all to the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Alfonso McCree Jr. That's A-L-P-H-O-N-S-O-M-C-C-R-E-E Jr. You can bet on me and the Believe Network bringing you this podcast. Guys, let's get into the SmackDown season premiere. Our tribal chief was back. John Cena was there. Jake Cargill was there. We have a new general manager. We found out who got traded to SmackDown for Jay Uso in exchange with Raw. And guess what? We're starting to, again, hint towards that build to Survivor Series, even though Crown Jewel is next. Now, we already have one match confirmed for Crown Jewel, and that's going to be Seth freaking Rollins taking on Drew McIntyre for the World Heavyweight Championship. But that's only one title. What about the other one? The Undisputed Universal Championship. Well, that one is going to be decided, it looks like, between our Tribal Chief Roman Reigns and the fastest rising star in SmackDown history, the Megastar, with everybody saying L.A. Night. Yeah! Tribal Chief came back, confronted John Cena, said, hey, everybody's been calling you the greatest of all time, yet I'm the one who's been holding this title for over a thousand days. What gives? And John's like, hey, believe it or not, I'm not here to challenge you for that championship. But somebody else is. Cue LA Knight music, big pop, LA Knight comes down, starts running his mouth, and uh, we start the build towards LA Knight versus Roman Reigns. I don't know what you guys think. You could say, oh, it's too early for LA Knight to be getting a title shot. What are you going to do with LA Knight if you're not putting him in the world title picture? Obviously... The title's not about to change hands at Crown Jewel, okay? Don't expect the Universal Championship to change hands until at least WrestleMania, okay? And that is because you have a reign of over a 1,000 days. You cannot end that reign at a random pay-per-view. It has to be at a WrestleMania, and it has to be a career-changing moment for somebody. But LA Knight should be in the title picture. Even if he loses, that doesn't hurt his credibility. Roman Reigns has beaten everybody. It doesn't matter, okay? Now, if he were to challenge Seth Rollins on Raw, 
and he were to uh, lose that match, that'd be a different story. But this is challenging Roman Reigns. There is no shame in losing to Roman Reigns in 2023, okay? Uh, but that looks like the story that they're going to be building towards. Not sure what they're going to do with John Cena, but I think they're still going to have him involved in the Bloodline story in some way. And I would think there would be a matchup against either Solo Sokoa or Jimmy Uso in a singles competition. See what they end up doing with that. But it was really great to see Roman Reigns back on television for the first time in a couple of months. We haven't seen him really since right after SummerSlam. And, uh, it's, you know, the, a lot of people were saying the Bloodline story was losing some steam. But I think the arrival of Roman Reigns back on SmackDown really calms those uh, those rumors and that, that chatter of the Bloodline losing any steam in their storyline. Because Roman Reigns is still the ultimate draw in this company right now. And that hasn't changed. Okay, he came out to a big pop. People know who Roman Reigns is. They haven't forgotten him because he's been gone. He's still the Universal Champion, okay? And, you know, some people will complain about his schedule. I don't care about his schedule, okay? Here's the thing. This is why we have two world championships. Because you can't have a product with no world title feud on a consistent basis. That's not going to work. But you can position one world title as the workhorse world title, and that's the World Heavyweight Championship with Seth Rollins. And then you can have the other one uh, presented almost like a prize fighter kind of thing. Where, hey, I'm not showing up unless it's a big deal. Like, I'm on SmackDown tonight as your tribal chief because this is the season premiere of SmackDown. I, not, I have to be here. This is my show. It's the season premiere. Okay, but I'm not going to show up on a random episode of SmackDown with nothing to do. For what? You know, he doesn't wrestle most nights. I don't know how he stays in ring shape. I really don't. But um, it might have a lot to do with the fact that he doesn't really work a rapid pace style when he is in the ring anyway. Uh, Roman Reigns is the ultimate storyteller when he's in the ring. You know, with his moves, his mannerisms, his off-the-mic promos where he's just talking into the camera. Like, he's all about the storytelling. So he can get away with maybe not being in the same kind of shape that Seth Rollins is in. Because he doesn't work his matches the same way Seth Rollins works his matches. Um, but that was a really great start to SmackDown, which set up our main event of LA Knight versus Solo Sokoa. Things that happened in between. Um, we have a new SmackDown general manager, and it's Nick Aldis, who gets to keep his name from Impact Wrestling. So I do like that. Adam Pierce is now the permanent general manager of Monday Night Raw. And Nick Aldis, Aldis is now the permanent general manager of Friday Night SmackDown. And his first order of business was to introduce SmackDown's newest superstar, which is Kevin Owens. So, wow. This leads to some interesting things. Now, I want you guys to think about this, because Kevin Owens isn't the only one involved in this trade. You have to think about Sami Zayn. That tag team is now officially over for the time being. Um, Sami Zayn is still on Raw, which will ideally lead to him challenging for the World Heavyweight Championship somewhere down the road. And Kevin Owens is now on SmackDown, which will inevitably reinvigorate his rivalry with Roman Reigns at some point. 
Will they ever have Kevin Owens take the title off of Roman Reigns himself? I don't think so. But I don't think a lot of fans will be opposed to it if it did happen. I just don't see it happening. Now, me personally, I've always said, and I will still say, and I stand by it to this day, I need it to be Jey Uso. Because Jey Uso has been the right-hand man since the beginning. He's been uh, the one that was putting his body on the line to help Roman retain his championship on countless occasions. And he is the only man, since Roman has won that championship, he's the only man to pin Roman Reigns. Jey Uso. Main event, Jey Uso. So, we'll see if at any point he winds up back on SmackDown. Or, uh, you know, maybe he wins the Royal Rumble. Who knows? Um, you know, we'll just we'll just have to see what ends up happening with that. Uh, you know, you still have Cody in the mix, obviously, still trying to finish the story. Um, does it lead to some type of, I don't know, triple threat match between himself, Jey Uso, and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? There's so many possibilities down the line. You know, I'm just really trying to enjoy where we are at the moment so I don't get too ahead of myself on the stories. But I love to speculate because a lot of the time, either I'm right or I'm really, really happy that I was wrong. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be happy either way. I'll be happy either way. Okay, and speaking of Cody and Jay, they did have a undisputed tag team championship open challenge. And it was accepted by the newly formed team of Grayson Waller and Austin Theory, who I think are doing a great job of feeding off of each other. Um, they, Austin Theory gets complaints because he's kind of like your generic heel, you know, comes out, says arrogant things, and that's pretty much it. There's really no depth there. Um, Grayson Waller, I think, is the exact opposite. Like, yeah, he, he comes out, he says arrogant things and everything like that. But if you, Grayson Waller's funny. I think a heel is allowed to be funny, right? And Grayson Waller is hilarious because he's such an instigator. In every segment that he's in, he just instigates stuff. He loves to watch people tear each other apart. And he'll egg it on every single chance that he gets. Just watch every episode of the Grayson Waller effect. He's the biggest instigator there is in this company right now. Uh, but... The two of them together have been doing, you know, pretty solid work. Um, you know, I still think, you know, both of their futures are obviously in singles competition. But when you don't have a singles program for them right now, and, you know, they're as similar as they are as heels, it's never a bad idea to put them together. And, you know, you kind of solidified them as a tag team, you know, officially by giving them this championship match. So not a bad idea there. Really good execution. Of course, Cody and Jay retained. And as they're walking up the ramp, out comes the Tribal Chief, Solo Sokoa, Jimmy Uso, and Paul Heyman. Out comes the Bloodline, and they have a stare down with Cody staring down Roman and Jay staring down Jimmy. So I think we're definitely going to end up getting that Jay Uso versus Jimmy Uso match down the line. Just don't know exactly when it will be. But it might end up being at the Survivor Series. And I'll tell you why. Because they dropped some hints in that segment with Nick Aldis being introduced as the SmackDown general manager. Because uh, Triple H was the one who introduced him. That was his big announcement this week. So uh, after Nick Aldis was introduced, 
he goes down and Pierce shakes his hand and he says, hey, I look forward to some uh, friendly competition. Friendly competition. Okay, so we're getting back to those days of Raw versus SmackDown, which I don't, I never mind. As long as, th- here's my thing. When it comes to Raw versus SmackDown, the reason why it hasn't really worked uh, in the past, you know, um, few years or so is because a lot of times the Survivor Series would come like right after a draft or even if it didn't come right after a draft, it's like everybody was jumping between shows anyway. So like, it's hard for us to buy into the fact that you care this much about your brand when we just saw you on the other brand the other week, right? When you think back to like Survivor Series 2005, one of my favorite Survivor Series ever, the Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series match where it ended up being Shawn Michaels and Randy Orton as the last two. When you think back to it, think back to the buildup of that match and how seriously everybody was taking Raw versus SmackDown. How, you know, there were so many segments of, like, invasions, like Raw invading SmackDown, SmackDown invading Raw. And the reason why that worked is because when a superstar was assigned to a show, they stayed on that show. They had better have a really good reason to be appearing on the other show. And, you know, it stayed consistent. It was really consistent. I might go back and, and, and watch uh, some of those shows um, on Peacock when I get a chance today. Um, it's good, man, I, I've, been, I've been really craving diving into, you know, that old wrestling again of the early 2000s and the early 2010s. The, the, like, a lot of people love the Attitude Era. I love that era. Ruthless Aggression Era, I love it. That's my favorite era ever. I think it was better than the Attitude Era. I think the roster was more stacked from top to bottom. Um, I think there was less of a reliance on the main event scene for everything. And um, I just think, you know, as a kid, that was really what I grew up consuming. Like, I, yes, I technically grew up th- during the Attitude Era. Um, the Attitude Era, I would say, ended, I want to say like 2002, it was over. Probably 2001, but 2002 for sure, the Attitude Era was done, right? And we moved into the Ruthless Aggression Era. But, you know, I, I got my healthy dose of both, but I've had, I had more time in the Ruthless Aggression Era than I did in the Attitude Era, as far as actively watching and understanding what I was consuming. So it always holds a fond place for me. But 2005 was just such a great year for wrestling because, you know, you had the rise of Batista and John Cena. Um, but that Survivor Series pay-per-view in 2005 was absolutely amazing. It was it, That SmackDown versus Raw match was great, and that's because the build was great. If they want to do that again this year, they have to find a way. They have to find a way to ensure that people can take these brand splits seriously and buy into it. Because, like, back in the day, we used to have our favorite brand. Like, you were a Monday Night Raw fan, or you were a Friday Night SmackDown fan, or Thursday Night SmackDown fan at the time. Which one was it? Which one was it? Who would you like more? I was personally a Monday Night Raw fan. Um, I had my reasons for that. Mainly, I was, you know, I was really into Shawn Michaels, and that's where he resided. I loved Evolution. That's where they resided. Um, but that, that SmackDown 6 was also awesome. You know, um, 
I mean, at, at that time, I think we were past the SmackDown 6 for the most part, but you still had some of the, the remnants left over from it. But my point is, um, you know, it was... There, were, there was different talent on both shows, and you could really buy into which show you liked based off of what talent that you liked. And um, I, was, I was a Monday Night Raw guy. That was me. Uh, so, you know, I'm not opposed to it. I, I love the Raw versus SmackDown uh, concept. I also love when they throw in NXT. You remember when they threw in NXT and they actually had an NXT invasion? That was the best one that they've done so far because those NXT guys were locked in on the NXT brand. You didn't see them on Raw and SmackDown. So when they invaded, you really felt like, oh, this is a this is a brand that these guys are these guys and 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 women are loyal to and they're coming to invade. Can we do the same thing here? this year at Survivor Series if they decide to go that route remains to be seen. I want to see a good Raw versus SmackDown rivalry again. I don't mind seeing that at Survivor Series. I also don't mind seeing actual real storylines play out at Survivor Series and not just a random Raw versus SmackDown thing. I really like, you know, some of the Survivor Series back in the day. My first show was Survivor Series 2009. And on that show, you had Team Miz versus Team John Morrison. You had Team Kofi Kingston versus Team Randy Orton. Like, and these were all built on storylines. And, you know, every superstar in the match had something going on with another superstar in the match on the opposite team. And it just really made for great storytelling and a great match. The show was great. If you get a chance, go back and watch that one. Always have a fond place in my heart for it. Survivor Series 2009, my first ever show. Let's get back to the SmackDown show, okay? Um, so, you know, as I said, Kevin Owens is the newest member of the SmackDown roster, so we officially have that uh, trade completed. And to wrap up the show, we had LA Knight taking on Roman Reigns. I mean, not Roman Reigns, I'm sorry, Solo Sokoa. Roman Reigns did make his presence felt, though. Uh, because LA Knight ended up winning the match after J Jimmy Uso tried to interfere. He was hit with an AA from John Cena. John Cena got hit with a Simone Spike. And then blunt force trauma to Solo Sokoa by LA Knight. One, two, three. He wins. Gets up on the apron with everybody saying LA Knight. Yeah. Gets down. Boom. Spear. Championship program has begun. think it'll be a, a fun program. Um don't anticipate LA Knight winning anything from it, but I do anticipate this making him into a permanent main eventer because he's gotten himself over. And in Triple H's WWE, when you get yourself over, you don't get your legs cut from underneath you. If Triple H was in control years ago, maybe Rusev would still be in WWE. Maybe Damian Sandow would have still been in WWE. Um, maybe Cody never leaves, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Everything happens for a reason though, but LA Knight versus the Roman Reigns looks like it will be our main event at crown jewel. And, uh, I'm, I'm all here for it. I'm here for it. But yeah, this was a great episode of, of SmackDown. We had an appearance by Jake Cargill who had a stare down with Charlotte Flair. So really excited about that. Like the star power of the women's division has definitely increased with Jake Cargill's presence. So I'm really happy for them in that regard and um you know he had everything going on with the lwo and 
know, the new look hurt business. That's what I'll call them until they have, you know, a, a real name. Um, but Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. Um, looks like we'll get Carlito versus Bobby Lashley next week on SmackDown. I like that. That should be fun. And, um, you know, I, honestly, top to bottom, I texted my friends right after the show. I was like, man, that was really well written. That was a really well written show. Cut, kept my attention from start to finish. So, uh, you know, really, really well done, in my opinion. So, that was the season premiere. I want to know what you guys think about that. You know, you guys can send me a message on Instagram or leave a comment in the YouTube section, wherever it is that you're consuming this podcast, and just let me know what you guys thought about it. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the Raw season premiere as well. Um, if, if SmackDown was this good, Raw should be this good. They have an extra hour to make it uh, that good. So we'll see what they end up doing come Monday uh, for that show. But that is it for the SmackDown reaction portion. When we come back on the Manifest Wrestling Podcast, though, we're going to discuss a few of the top subjects coming out of the wrestling news sections this week. All right. All that and more when we come back on the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Manifest Wrestling Podcast with your host, Alfonso McCree Jr. I'm not going to spell it this time. We're just going to get right into the news, okay? We got a few stories we want to talk about here, starting with CM Punk. We talked about a lot about Survivor Series in our first window. Well, Survivor Series is in Chicago at the Allstate Arena, and um, you know I've reported earlier, as have many dirt sheets have reported, that uh, WWE has decided not to sign CM Punk, uh, but... If you know anything about this company, they can change their mind very, very quickly. And it seems like CM Punk keeps trying to apply pressure to um, you know, get WWE to change their mind. Um, he was doing another one of those MMA uh, color commentary appearances. And it sounded like he dropped a little bit of a hint about November, promotions, things of that nature. We'll, 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 see, we'll see what ends up happening with, with CM Punk. I'm never going to say that it'll never happen it just looks like it's not going to happen and i think a lot of that of course has to do with all those reports that came out from backstage and aew does wwe need that baggage right now especially when your two top champions in roman reigns and seth rollins do not like the man anyway uh cm punk is a main eventer you can't bring him in and then stick him in the mid card that's not going to work so your champions have to be willing to work with the man and if they don't like him and they're not willing to work with him that could lead to some issues so um you know there's a lot for wwe to consider of course they could do a big number if they brought him in for that chicago show but is it really worth it who knows maybe maybe he'll do what enzo amore tried to do that one time at the Staples Center, remember a few uh, years back, where after he got fired, he bought a ticket, a floor seat ticket, and stood up on his chair and started doing his catchphrase to get attention, and uh, it didn't really go too well for him. That didn't really lead to anything. Now, for CM Punk, it could be different uh, because CM Punk is actually a good wrestler and he has drawing power. Enzo Amore did not have anywhere near the drawing power that CM Punk had. And, you know, it, it, he got fired for, like, just a, a litany of, of different things. 
Um, it, it was it was never going to happen. You know, him pulling that stunt was never going to lead to anything for him. So that was a that was a dead mission. Uh, but our next news story. TK, old Tony Khan, he has really been tripping this week on Twitter. You know, a lot of people are starting to take notice, and they're uh, they're wondering why on earth he won't stay off of social media and who is monitoring his social media. He's uh, He's been going on some rants, a lot of it uh, as a result of NXT defeating AEW this past Tuesday in the Tuesday Night Wars. Um, I predicted one and a half million for NXT. That didn't happen, but 800,000 also did not happen for AEW. Uh, the numbers were about 600,000 for AEW and about 900,000 for NXT. And, uh, you know, TK, I, I've, always, I've always felt like if AEW just, like, kind of stayed in their lane and just focused on themselves, I'm really big on that in, like, real life, too. Like, I'm always big on focus on you. Like, focus on you. That is my moniker in life. If you ever talk to me about anything that has to do with like you know success or drama or anything like that my response is always the first step is to focus on yourself stop worrying about everybody around you like we have this in business right we have this uh we have this illusion of competition okay like let's be real we have this illusion of of competition even even when i have this podcast there are other podcasts online right now what culture wrestling podcast cultaholic podcast i'm fans of both of those you also have the figure four wrestling podcast with dave Meltzer and brian alvarez you have a lot of different options uh, jim Cornette has one kevin nash has one all these different people that you could listen to besides me uh bubba ray dudley has one Corey graves has one that is literally supplied by the wwe network so all these different entities and people that have different podcasts on the same thing that I'm talking about yet I feel like I don't have any competition why because I'm focused on me it's a mindset of course the competition is there in reality of course I need to be doing what I need to do in order to quote-unquote compete but at the same time because I'm so focused on myself and what I have going on and just making sure my stuff is good as a result things are moving really well for me my podcast is going well. The quality keeps increasing. Everything you can see behind me for you YouTube viewers, my whole set looks glorious now as, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen the first episodes. It was not looking like this. I have no title belts, no signs, no lights. No, you know. I didn't have much of anything behind me to make this look good. I didn't have this camera to make this look good. Nothing was really pristine. I focused on myself and now... I'm at 1.2 subscribers on you, 1.2 thousand subscribers on YouTube, and I also have this beautiful set behind me. Right? Focus on you. That's all you can do. Focus on yourself. Somebody has to tell Tony Khan that, because AEW, from day one, from day one, they talk about WWE way too much, way too much. I want AEW to succeed. If AEW ever wanted me to be a part of the company, I would say yes in a heartbeat. Of course I would. I respect the company. But here's the thing. You're never going to compete with WWE. That's not going to happen. They have 50 years plus 
of rich history and they're a billion dollar company. You cannot compete with them, but that's okay. You don't have to compete with them. Just do your own thing. You are built as an alternative, as an alternative, as a serious promotion that can host other wrestlers that WWE maybe doesn't see the value in or people who don't want to go to WWE. You just did a record number at Wembley. And even still, you're focused on WWE. Why? Why? Now is not the time to be focused on WWE. Focus on yourself. You are having a very successful year. And yes, ticket sales are dwindling. But a lot of that has to do with you, TK. Like, can we be real about this for a second? Tony Khan is single-handedly killing his promotion. Why do I say that? Because look at everything that he's allowing to take place backstage. Why do you have too much pride to put people in place to keep people in line? Why are you too scared to do that? Why are you too afraid to make enemies out of people? Like, yes, you're a fan, but guess what? You're a boss too. At some point, you have to put your foot down and just demand the respect. Unfortunately, you can't be friends with every wrestler who walks through the door. That's not going to happen. Unfortunately, even though you have this idea that, oh, this, you know, I, like, I, I feel like Tony Khan feels like he's just playing with action figures, almost. You know, and you know, all the wrestlers are his action figures, and this is his basically a sandbox that you can just do whatever you want in. And yes, it is your sandbox so you can do whatever you want in. But unfortunately, these are not toys. These are human beings with different egos, attitudes, belief systems, different ambitions. You have to understand all of these things and establish some order. Like, what's the point of bringing in people like Mark Henry and The Big Show if you're not going to put them in a place to set the standard and to set the tone backstage in the locker room somebody has to do it there's a reason wwe is so successful and that's because yeah vince is cool but people fear getting on vince's bad side more than they want things for themselves like, they're not going to go out of their way to do anything selfish or stupid because they know at the end of the day, this man will fire me in a heartbeat. People don't feel that way about Tony Khan. And, like, yes, that, that's, that can be a good thing. Like, oh, yeah, job security. This is great. This makes me feel comfortable. I do feel like a family member here. But the only people who are going to think like that are the ones that are genuinely good people and grateful all the time for any opportunity that they're getting and maybe they're just happy to be signed to be able to provide for their family you have other people who want to be superstars you have your mjfs you have uh your cm punks you cannot operate the same way with them as you do with others there's no reason there's no reason cm punk should be comfortable enough to do what he did at that media scrum last year there's no reason that MJF should feel, should feel comfortable enough to go out there and cut that promo that he did in Los Angeles 
upon you, Tony Khan. Like, these things can't really happen. And you're so focused on WWE and what they're doing. Like, you really sent out a tweet to say, throughout their entire career, John Cena and Undertaker never performed on a show that drew under this amount of fans. They beat you. It doesn't matter how many fans they drew. They beat you. <laughs> like, focus on you. You could be touting the success of your company, promoting the numbers that your company drew in but instead you're tweeting out stuff about the other company meanwhile yeah i'm not a believer that oh wwe isn't thinking about AEW. yes they are but guess what they're not showing it so only one of you is looking crazy and the other one is looking like smart business people it's frustrating because i want aew to thrive I care about all those wrestlers in AEW because they're all really good. And they all deserve spots on television. And I'm happy for them, but Tony Khan is single-handedly messing everything up and it's frustrating to watch. I don't want to see that because as an aspiring pro wrestler, I need options. I need as many options as I can get to make money, to provide for my family. I mean, hell, I have this podcast for a reason. Because... I'm never a person that's going to put all my eggs in one basket. And for a while, while WWE was the only show on town, a lot of wrestlers had to put all their eggs in one basket because they didn't know how to make money from the indies like Matt Cardona. There was no AEW. Impact Wrestling was on the decline. And only WWE was making moves. Now Impact Wrestling is doing pretty well again. Now we have AEW. Now it's been shown that you can make money and survive on the indies and actually thrive if you work hard enough. And you still have WWE there as an option if you need it. AEW, we gotta do better. Somebody has to check Tony Khan. Seriously, somebody has to check Tony Khan. This can't keep happening. You know what else can't keep happening? This episode. We gotta wrap it up, okay? This has been the Manifest Wrestling Podcast your host Alfonso McCree Jr. I will see you guys in the next episode. Until then, you guys know what to do. Stay safe, stay blessed. I'll see you next time. Peace!